Postscript by Carrie Classen. I was standing in my sister's bathroom, looking in the mirror. The sun was streaming through the window from the side when I saw, for the first time, an enormous hair spiraling from my chin. Because my hair is fine and blonde, and because I seldom see myself in strong sidelight, this was the first I learned of my impressive new adornment. As I have difficulty growing hair of any type, the fact that my body decided to put so much into a chin hair was rather stunning. Particularly troubling is the fact that I have so much difficulty growing hair where I would, ideally, like it, on the top of my head. My hair is extraordinarily fine. A gust of wind leaves me looking like a chick that has just emerged from the egg or, or, or in the right light, a dandelion gone to seed. I try new hairstylists regularly. What would you like? They invariably ask. What do you imagine I would like? I feel like asking. I would like luxuriant tresses that fall to my waist, or perhaps a lavish halo of curls that catches the sunlight and dips provocatively over one eye. Instead, I always tell stylists the same thing. I do a lot of things well, I tell them. Growing hair just doesn't happen to be one of them. You decide. I leave the salon with hair that is pretty much exactly as it was when I entered, minus what has been cut off and now lies invisible on the floor. Given my feeble abilities at hair growing, managing a long chin hair and a curly hair to boot seemed like a lot of misspent energy. I told my sister of my chin-hair discovery and how I thought I'd probably have to write about it. Why would you write about that, she asked, certain that I was kidding, and I suppose it is the sort of thing a person should keep to herself if she has any self-respect. But surely, I reasoned, I'm not the first person to find an unexpected hair in an unwelcome place. My husband, Peter, and I have a pact. We are to inform one another about unwanted hair-related events. We are not unique in this. I know a lot of couples who fastidiously groom one another, like chimpanzees. Peter occasionally has a lone eyebrow hair that seems bent on escaping the confines of his face, like one of those tropical vines that send out an advanced tendril to see if it can gain purchase in a new territory. Long after I should have dismissed it, this chin hair was still on my mind, this minute achievement of which I was entirely oblivious. It made me wonder what else I was missing, what other dubious accomplishments I had managed, utterly unaware. Yes, I got rid of it. But now I wonder if that was wise. 
It was nearly invisible, after all. I don't think I was running the risk of becoming the woman with the amazing chin hair anytime soon. And it was, in its peculiar way, a reminder to me that I am not always what I think I am. No matter how hard I try to be the person I want to be, there will always be the tiny, curly proud and defiant hair on my chin to thwart my efforts, to demonstrate the undeniable, annoying, and somewhat exhilarating fact that life, even the most intimate life at the end of my chin, is never going to be exactly what I imagine it to be. Till next time. Carrie.